0: Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is taken from our Strong in Grace series, which walks through Ephesians chapter six. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, let's take our Bibles this morning, and let's go to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians and chapter number six this morning, Ephesians chapter six. Find your place there, Ephesians chapter number six. I love that song. We haven't sang that one in a, in a little while. And it's uh, been, been a couple months. Psalm 34, I remember hearing that song for the first time, I don't know, three or four years ago. And uh, I loved it. I loved it. It was great. And I'll you ask me sometime to play for you the very first rendition I ever heard it. You gotta look it up. You can look it up online. The Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir singing that. And uh, it'll, it'll give you some fire in your soul. It was good. And make you, make you wanna shout and uh, make you wanna become Southern and start singing, and it was good. So uh, anyway, love that song. Ephesians chapter six, and uh, we're gonna jump back in, finishing out our series. We'll talk about that in just a minute, but uh, I've told you often, of course, many of you know it, we have three kids, Dennis, who is 16, uh, Lena, who is almost 15, and Micah, who is 13, and uh, uh, Dennis, our oldest, he's helping downstairs in the kids class so I can talk about him a lot uh, today because he's not in here to defend himself. Um, but Dennis, who's our oldest, he is what you call a trend setter in our family. He's a trendsetter. What I mean by that is Lena and Micah, without even knowing it, they have always looked up to Dennis. Not just because he's taller than both of them, but they've looked up to Dennis because they've They've learned some lessons from Dennis. Here's what they've learned from Dennis growing up in our house, what not to do. How many of you have an older sibling that you looked up to and you learned what not to do as well? Yeah, some hands go up. Uh, Dennis is the one, like Lena and Micah, they were very observant growing up and they would watch Dennis and they would watch Dennis get in trouble for doing something and they would think like, I'm not gonna do that. Little Micah, Micah would actually verbalize it sometimes. He would be like, man, Dennis got in trouble for that. I'm never doing that. He's like three years old. Dennis would be six and Micah's like, I ain't doing that, I'm not doing that. And then there's other times they'd watch Dennis do something and get rewarded and they'd think, I'm doing that. Man, I'm going to do that. And you and I, we know, you know what I'm talking about this morning, having people in your life that you look to and you learn lessons from because of their behavior. You learn lessons from because of the way they've done things or maybe done things they should not have done. And you can think of those dentists in your life, people you looked up to and thought, I ain't doing that, man. I saw you get in trouble. I watched mom and dad, man, i not not going there. There's other people that you watch do things and you're thinking, man, I want to do that. Today, as we come back into our study, this is message number 18 in our series in Ephesians. It's the last one. Today, we're going to come as Paul concludes everything out. And what we're going to do today is just kind of sit back and learn some lessons from the Ephesians. Some lessons of some things of what to do and some things perhaps of what not to do. Because as Paul writes to the believers in Ephesus, he's just going to kind of conclude the letter. It's just a, really, we're going to read the verses in just a minute. You'll see it. It's kind of some simple thoughts. And you think, well, what can we learn from that? I believe this morning there's four very valuable lessons that we can learn from the believers in Ephesus as Paul closes things out. So I want you to see it with me. Let's stand together and let's go to Ephesians chapter six and verse number 18. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, we left off at verse 18 last week, and we'll pick up there. Verse 18, Ephesians chapter 6, it says this, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, That therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, but that ye also may know my affairs and how I do. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known unto you all things whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that ye might know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith. From God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Again, this morning, just four lessons looking at the life of the believers in Ephesus, four lessons that I think we can learn of some things that we should be doing, some things that we should not be doing as we travel through life, and we'll tie it all together this morning, So let's pray and get into it. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you just take a minute and from right where you're standing, would you just give God permission to speak to you? God, I give you permission to speak to me. And then make a commitment. God, as you speak to me today, I'm listening to you. God, as you speak to me today, I'm listening to you. Dear Lord, we wanna to come to you and again, just commit our morning to you. We commit this next few minutes. We thank you for the time just to worship you in song and Lord, to, uh, to join with the heavenly chorus to sing Worthy is the Lamb. And Father, we pray that you would help us right now to hear exactly what you want us to hear. I pray, Father, that you'd help every person, whether in person or online, that you'd speak to us, that you'd challenge us with your word and Lord, that you would change us. I pray this morning that if there's someone that is here that does not know that heaven is, is where they would spend eternity, I pray that you'd help them to come to know you as Savior today, to put their faith and trust in you alone. pray for every follower of you that you would um, just show us today the lessons that we should be learning and help us to, uh, to hear from you in a special way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> If you recall, those of you that maybe were here the last couple of weeks, we've been kind of in a short, a uh, few weeks called to be strong in grace. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter six and verse number ten. Finally, brethren, be there uh, therefore strong in the power of the Lord, and we. Paul presents kind of this thought that we are involved in spiritual warfare. And so he lays out the resources that God has given to us in spiritual warfare. And we look through all of those resources the last few weeks. And then Paul kind of ties in the last resource which is prayer, which is a main resource for you and I access to God. The fact that you have access to God if you know Jesus Christ as your savior, God gives you access to him any time of the day. And that's verse number 18, praying all always. But as we wrap up this, this uh, uh, short series, these lessons that we're going to learn, I find them from Paul writing to the believers of Ephesus. Here's the first lesson I see. The first lesson that I see as Paul ties things up is, don't forget your calling. Don't forget your calling. Notice, if you will, verse number 18 again. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Again, Paul ties in the resource of prayer. We mentioned that last week, the fact that we have access to God, but he says that, We should be praying for all people, all types of prayers for all saints. And there's a really good connection here. One man said it this way. He said, most of us pray sometimes some prayers for some people. But Paul said, pray all prayers for all people, all saints at all times. Well, what is this? This is, again, Paul saying, in the spiritual warfare, you are weak, but he is strong. In spiritual warfare, you can't stand up to the enemy, the devil, uh, every one of us, we could probably tie in uh, maybe a few thoughts from this last week of knowing the devil tried to attack us, whether it was through discouragement or maybe through uh, words that were spoken by a coworker or a friend or a loved one that were hard or harsh words, or maybe it's a, it's a situation that has totally brought us to our knees and, and we know that that is the attack of the enemy. Here's what Paul writes. Hey, don't think that you can handle it. Don't think that you can carry this. No, you have God as a resource. And so Paul brings about this thought of go to God in prayer. Well, with that in mind, Paul says, while you're praying for all saints, all the prayers for all people, remember to pray for me. And notice what Paul asks them to pray for, verse 19 and 20. It says, pray for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Here's Paul saying to these believers in Ephesus, as you pray, as you go to God in this access to him, as you go to God through the resource of prayer, would you remember to pray for me? But what does he ask them to pray for? He says, would you pray for me as an ambassador? Would you pray for me as an ambassador in bonds? Pray for me that I can take the armor that I've been speaking about and use the sword of the spirit to share Christ with others. What was Paul saying? Now think about this. Where was he sitting and writing the letter from? Jail. He's in jail. He is an ambassador, a representative of God in bonds. He's in prison. And his prayer request is not hey, would you pray that I'd get released soon? (laughs) Hey, would you pray that someone would encourage me? His prayer request is not, hey, would you pray that I could get out of this? His prayer request is simple. Pray for me, pray for me to remember my calling. Pray for me, even in the midst of my trial, to remember I am an ambassador An ambassador in bonds. You know what Paul knew? Paul knew that the cause of Christ sometimes may cost you something. Paul knew that he was in prison. He knew all too well that Satan was unrelenting in his attack. He knew all too well that the battle is fierce and that it may cost you something. And so as he's in bonds, he says, hey, would you pray that I have utterance, that I have the right words and wisdom? And would you pray that I speak boldly? Would you pray that while I am in this trial, I will continue to speak the truth? Why? Because I am an ambassador in bonds. Pray for me to continue my calling. Pray that I will be faithful, the sword of the Spirit. Remember, Paul had just written about taking up the sword of the Spirit, which he knew is the word of God. Hey, pray that I would handle God's word and be able to impact the lives of people even though I'm in a jail cell. You see, because even though Paul knew that Satan never gives up fighting, he also knew that while he was chained, the gospel was not chained. He knew that he could be bound, but the word of God cannot be bound and can impact the hearts and lives of people. And so here's Paul's prayer request. Pray that as I'm going through this trial, would you pray that I'd remember that I'm an ambassador in bonds? Would you pray that I would be able to speak God's truth? Would you pray that I would not forget my calling? And I say that Paul's calling to be an ambassador was not placed only upon him. You and I, we too, can totally connect with the thought to be an ambassador. And here's why. Because we too are called ambassadors. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if there's been a time in your life when you put your faith and your trust in the finished work of Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection, here's what is written to you about you in 2 Corinthians 5, 20 through 21. Now then, we... All of us who are saved, all of us who know Christ, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God for he, God, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Here's the, here's the, the, the point that Paul makes all throughout his writing to the believer. Hey, if you have Christ, then your calling is to take Jesus to other people. Someone brought Jesus to you, now it's your responsibility and my responsibility to take Jesus to somebody else. No doubt right now we could go person by person and I could ask the question, who would you say was responsible for bringing you to Christ? And you might say, well, it was a Sunday school teacher. Well, it was a neighbor. Oh, it was was a coworker. Well, there was a pastor one time. Well, there was somebody who knocked my door and shared Christ with me. Well, I remember as I was in college that I had a classmate that they continually witnessed to me. Whatever the case might be, somebody brought the gospel to you. Now, maybe you were alone when you trusted Christ as savior, but you heard the gospel somewhere. Somebody brought it to you. What well, they recognize, they recognized they were an ambassador. Here's Paul's prayer request. "I'm in a great trial. I don't know about you, but would you call being in jail a great trial? Oh, I'd call it a great trial, especially because he was in jail for not committing a crime. He was in jail for simply preaching Jesus. And yet here's, here he is in jail. I don't know what your prayer requests would be, but I know my selfish prayer request. Hey, church at Ephesus, would you pray that Nero would get his and I would get out? Hey, church at Ephesus, would you pray that these soldiers would leave me alone? And could you pray that I could get an extra meal? Would you pray that I could get an extra blanket because this is miserable in here? Would you just pray that I could get out of here? Would you pray God would throw down lightning and strike them and let me out? Maybe Paul would be thinking, hey, would you pray that what took place in the life of Peter when he just walked out of the jail cell, would you pray that could happen to me? But that's not what he put. What he write, he said, would you pray that as I'm going through this trial, I would not miss opportunities to share Christ with people. Don't forget your calling. Here's Paul sitting in a jail cell saying, I'm a representative of Christ. And here you and I need to know that you are a representative of Christ in the world that you live in. And regardless of our circumstances, we are ambassadors. Paul was in prison and yet said, pray for boldness and wisdom to continue living out my calling. And we are not in prison. And yet all too often we forget our calling. We just get so focused on living out our plans that we forget about the everyday people that we cross paths with. Hey, listen, what are you going through that's causing you to forget your calling? I bet it's not you're sitting in jail. Actually, I know it, unless you escaped somehow and you're here in church today. (laughs) Hey, I wonder what's stopping you and I, what's causing us to forget our calling? The fact is there are people every day that God brings across your path. And oh, you may not be able to sit down with them and show them from A to Z how God loves them and gave their life for them, but you might be able to simply just plant the seed. Remember what Paul wrote to the believers at Corinth? Some plant the seed, some water that seed, and God allows the harvest at some point. Hey, many people in here, you didn't trust Christ. The very first time someone shared Jesus with you, it took a work of people. It took many ambassadors. You know what? Who knows? what part you could play this week in someone coming to Christ, but I do know you won't play a part, and I won't play a part if I forget, if I forget that I'm an ambassador, if I forget my calling, if I forget my testimony. Some of us, we allow troubles and trials to cause us, troubles and trials to cause us to miss the fact that we are ambassadors. Ambassadors. Maybe instead of praying, God, solve my problems, we should be praying, God, would you give me wisdom and boldness to proclaim you even in the midst of my problems? You see, we pray, God, get me out of this. Maybe instead our prayer should be, God, would you help me while I'm in this? Help me to remember I'm still an ambassador. What lessons can we learn from the believers at Ephesus as Paul writes to them? I think, number one, we can learn this lesson. Don't forget your calling. Don't forget your calling. You are an ambassador. Paul said, would you pray for me? Not that I'd get out of it, but would you pray for me that I would remain an ambassador even while I'm in it? Don't forget your calling. Number two, second lesson we can learn, don't neglect your encouragers. Remember, Paul has just been writing about spiritual warfare, that every day the devil is unrelenting. He's out to get you. So as you travel through life, as you journey through life, don't forget your calling. But secondly, don't neglect your encouragers. Notice, if you would, verse 21 and 22. Paul writes these words. But that ye also may know my affairs and how I do... Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that ye might know our affairs, what's going on in our life, and that, ye, that he might comfort your hearts. Tychicus, he was the believer that would deliver the letter of Ephesians. Now, um, I, I know probably everybody in here, we, we know this. They didn't have you know, the postal service. They didn't have UPS. They, they weren't, didn't have planes to send letters and things and packages. I'm so thankful for the technology and the technological advances that we've had. But at that time, how Paul from prison would have got a letter to believers anywhere is somebody from that place would have to take it or somebody from Rome would have to take it and then come back. Well, here's what we know, and here's what we can kind of piece together in Scripture is that Paul, as he's sitting in that jail cell, there was a believer named Epaphras that at one point had brought word to Paul of all of the churches. But there was also a believer named Tychicus. Tychicus would have probably been one of the leading men in the the church at Ephesus or uh, one of the churches around Ephesus. And Tychicus would travel to Rome to encourage Paul, and he did. He came to Rome and he encouraged Paul. You can find uh, Tychicus being written about in the book of Acts, as well as Colossians, Timothy, and Titus. His name is listed. Well, Paul writes to these believers, hey, Tychicus has come to me. Now I'm gonna send him back to you. He's gonna bring the letter and he's gonna encourage you. But I want you to notice what Paul says about Tychicus. We're gonna find three of the things that he lists here in this passage. The other one is from Colossians. Here's what Paul writes about Tychicus. He calls him, number one, a beloved brother. That means that he was very dear to Paul, very close to Paul. Antichicus is one of the closest men of God in my life. Number two, he's a faithful minister. What is that? Well, he was constant in his service toward Christ, in his faith toward Christ. He was a trustworthy, that phrase, faithful minister, it means a trustworthy follower, a trustworthy servant. Number three, he was a fellow servant. Paul calls him a fellow servant. What does that mean? He co-labored with Paul. He wasn't one of those guys that just you know, showed up and was there to manage. You know what people I'm talking about? You work with them. They're the managers, not the workers. And I'm not talking about the person who has the title manager. I'm talking about the person who is a coworker that just tells you how to do your job. You know what I'm talking about? That wasn't Tichicus. He wasn't there just to manage. He wasn't there just to oversee, no. He was a fellow servant. He got involved. Hey, Paul, what can I do? You can go to Acts chapter number 20 and you can discover that uh, Tychicus is one of the men that came alongside Paul for the purpose of serving Paul. Hey, Paul, what can I do to serve you? So he was a beloved brother, a faithful minister, a fellow servant. We find that in Colossians. But then we find that he was a comforter or an encourager. the last part of verse number 23 in Ephesians chapter number six, or excuse me, verse number 22, Paul says this, that he might comfort your hearts. Do you see that there? That he might comfort your hearts. This word comfort, it means to come alongside and to lift up, to encourage, or to exhort. You know, Paul One of the key characteristics that he saw in Tychicus was Tychicus was just an encourager. He's there to comfort you. He's there to help you. Just like he's helped me, I'm sending him to help you. Paul had received encouragement from Tychicus, and now he was sending him back to these believers in Ephesus for the very same purpose, to encourage them. And so as Paul writes these words, as he closes out the letter, it's almost as if Paul is saying, hey, listen, you need to know that Tychicus is coming to you, but here's why he is coming. He's coming to encourage you. He's coming to help you. I think one thing that we can learn as Paul closes out and points the the letter to Tychicus is this simple thought, that you are not fighting this battle alone. You are not fighting the battle alone. Hey, listen, Tychicus has been a great help in my life and I'm sending him to you because as you go through the spiritual warfare, as you pray for me to be an ambassador in bonds, you need to know that you are not going through this alone. In our warfare each and every day, we are not fighting a battle alone. There are believers that God uses and God places around us. Did you know what? In your life, God brings people like Tychicus along In your life, God intentionally brings people into you that will encourage you and will help you. And can I say it this way? God wants to use you as a tichicus in somebody else's life. And so what should we do? We shouldn't neglect the encouragers that God sends our way. Don't neglect other believers as you are in this warfare. One of the best ways that Tychicus was going to comfort the believers was by telling them what God was doing in the life of Paul. Do you see that in verse 20 and 21? He says, hey, or 21 and 22, hey, I'm gonna send Tychicus so that he can tell you everything that's going on here, of all of our affairs, of all the news of what is happening. You know what Paul knew? Paul knew that if I could tell people what God is doing in my life through Tychicus, that will encourage them. It wasn't a boastful statement for Paul to say, I want you to know what's going on in my life, but If you go, it's an incredible story. Go read Acts 27 and 28 about Paul getting into Rome and then go read 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy and the book of Titus as well as the book of Philippians, Ephesians and Colossians. Sit down and read all of that in one setting. It's only like 15, 18 chapters. You know what you're gonna discover if you do that? You're gonna discover that even though Paul was in prison, tons of people were coming to Christ. While Paul was in prison, he led multiple prison guards to Christ. He led the family members of Nero to Christ. He led people who were involved in the government to Christ. Literally, Paul's impact while he was in prison was just as great, if not greater, than his impact from when he was out of prison. It's an incredible study. But here's what Paul is writing. I wanna encourage you by telling you my story. Because even though I'm in prison, I'm sending Tychicus to tell you about everything going on here because he will encourage you. Now, really think about that. That doesn't have a lot of application for us. You know what I mean? Like it's not written, Paul saying, okay, in church at Moses Lake, uh, I'm gonna send Tychicus to you. Like no, Tychicus isn't around. But I think there's a principle here that we can gather for us today. And that is this. We are not alone in our battle. And the blessings of others can be an encouragement as well as just the life of people who God places in my path. But here's what we do. Here's what we do. How many of you have one of those little makeup compacts in your, in your purse? You got a little mirror. Any ladies still carry those? Does anybody still carry those? You know why? Because now everybody just has a phone. <laughs> right? Everybody just has a phone. <clears throat> I was sitting on a plane the other day, and uh, I think it was a plane. I don't know. I was sitting somewhere where somebody's sitting right in front of me, and I saw a lady sitting there. She's doing stuff with her phone. You don't need a mirror anymore. You just have a phone. You know what we do in trials? Okay, there's two things about my phone right now. Okay, right now, you can I can have the setting set where it is, In a reverse mode, the camera is viewing out of the front, right? So now you're seeing you. There's a little button on most phones that goes like this, boop, and it flips it around and you see the other side. Do you know how most of us travel through trials? Looking inward. Most of us travel through trials only consumed with ourselves, Most of us travel through trials with our our view is skewed because it's only on me. The believers at Ephesus, think about it, Paul was in prison, but the believers at Ephesus, they also were in a trial. If you go to Acts chapter number 20, when Paul left the believers in Ephesus, there was this big uproar and there was a bunch of people that were against the message of Jesus Christ. So they had been in it for 10 years, these believers in Ephesus trying to reach people in Ephesus, and yet they themselves had a confrontation. They themselves had some sort of persecution. And here's what I believe the lesson that we can learn from the closing words of Paul as he writes about Tychicus is, hey, you can have your camera view as you go through trials. You can have it set all on you, or you can press the little button and see that there are other people. There are other people that are traveling this journey with you. There are believers that are traveling life through, through life with you. There are other Tychicus and Epaphrases, and there's other people that they are going through the trial with you. So get your focus off of you and get it back onto the people that God places in your life to be an encouragement. Hey, don't miss your encouragers. Don't miss the people that God places in your path. But while we should not miss the people that God places in our path, we should also not miss the fact that we are placed in other people's paths as an encourager. Paul wrote to, the, uh, to Timothy, till I come give attendance to reading and to exhortation and to doctrine. The word exhortation there can be to preach a message to encourage or it can simply be to just encourage people. Hey, you have a responsibility and I have a responsibility to encourage others around us. Can I help you through a trial? Get your focus off of you and what you're going through and ask God, who can I reach out to? God, who can I encourage? God, who is a, who is a person that you want me, me to be a tichicus in their life? What's our lessons that we can learn as Paul Wraps his letter up, well, number one, don't forget your calling. Number two, don't neglect your encouragers. Number three, don't miss your blessings. As you travel through life, as you journey in this warfare, don't forget or don't miss your blessings. As Paul closes out this letter, we discover his heart and really his desire for believers. It's verse 23 and 24 when Paul writes this, "'Peace be to the brethren.'" and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity, amen. You know, Paul is simply writing, he's simply saying peace, love, and faith belong to the believer. And God strengthens those who love and follow him in sincerity. And Paul closes out his letter with the many things that he had already written about. You see, all of these things Paul has already written about that when you receive, listen, when you receive Jesus Christ in your life, you are given peace with God and you are given the peace of God. When you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, you now have God's rest that is placed into your life because you're a follower of Jesus. Peace belongs to you. God's love for you will never change. I say it often and I don't wanna ever get tired of the, the thought, but God will never love you any more or any less than he does right now. You see, we live in a performance-based society. Okay, think about it, we live in a performance-based society where if on the job you perform better, what do you get? A raise, a promotion. At home, if you, uh, as a child, as a young person, if you perform better, if you go through life and you do better in home, what do you get? You get more trust and more responsibility in the, in the, uh, other places in life on a sports team. If you perform better, what do you get? You become a starter. You get notoriety. You get the attention. We live in a performance-based Christian, performance-based society, but we need to understand that we do not live a performance-based Christianity. God doesn't say, Oh, wow. Wow, you haven't missed your Bible for seven days? Promotion. (laughs) Wow, you didn't miss a service? Promotion. God doesn't do that. No, 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 no. God, his love of you is based completely upon who he is, not who we are. We do not live in a performance-based religion. And so here's what Paul is saying to them. Hey, peace belongs to you Love is already there, and that love is accompanied with faith. It's talking about God's love toward us and our love toward God, but the faith, the idea that we can trust in Him. What can we kind of wrap all of these things up as? Paul is just simply pointing to the blessings of being a child of God. Peace belongs to the brethren, and love with faith belongs to the brethren. Even in that horrific circumstance, you know what Paul was realizing? He was realizing that while I am a prisoner of Rome, I am still richer than the emperor. Here he is sitting in a jail cell and yet he's closing out his letters saying, man, peace be with you and love with faith. It's a great focus that I think Paul had and I believe that this focus really helped Paul as he would journey through this life is understanding that no matter what goes on the child of God can always rejoice in the blessings of being a child of God. And even in his trials he didn't miss the blessings of being a child. If you went through all of Paul's writings I just have a few of them this morning. Galatians 6, Paul closes it out by saying, Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Philippians 4, 23, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion, the relationship of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Paul wrote a number of the books of the New Testament that we have, every one of them with the exception of Romans. Every one of them ends with Paul pointing to the believer's blessings, whether that's grace, peace, or love. He just says, hey, listen, it belongs to you. Paul was always wanting to point people to the blessings of being a child of God, and here he is wrapping up this letter. The first three three chapters of it are about who we are in Christ, and the last three chapters, chapter four, five, and six, are about what we do because of it, and now he wraps it all up and just says, hey, as you journey through this life, don't forget don't forget who you are. You're a child of God. He started the letter with these words in Ephesians chapter one: "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with what? All spiritual blessings." Hey, you know, you know what some of us do? We miss the blessings when we're in the trial. We miss the blessings when we're in the trial. Here's Paul sitting in a jail cell and he's like, hey, peace belongs to the brethren. Love with faith, it's already mine. So Paul concludes, whatever you face as you journey through this warfare, just remember that you are a blessed child of God. Here's what Paul writes to them. As you journey through this Warfare, don't forget your calling. Here I am in prison. Would you pray for me and that I'd remember I'm an ambassador? Don't neglect your encouragers. Hey, Tychicus has been an encouragement to me. Let him be an encouragement to you. Don't miss the people around you that God has placed to encourage you in this. Number three, don't miss your blessings. Hey, you're a child of God. Even Paul sitting in a jail cell, I remember I can have God's peace. God loves me. I can trust him. I'm a child of God. But the fourth lesson, we actually need to find 30 years later. 30 years later. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Revelation. Last book of the Bible. Last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter number two. Revelation chapter number two. Here's something that they needed to be reminded of. You see, as the church at Ephesus would continue forward for the Lord... Paul wrote something about them right at the end of Ephesians that they forgot about, and we find it 30 years later, when another letter is written to them, this letter from God, this letter from Jesus. Of course, we know that the letter of Ephesians was from God through Paul, but now this one written from God through John to the believers at Ephesus, and here's what he says. Under the angel of the church at Ephesus write... These things, saith he, that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. This is from God to you. I know your works. I know your labor and your patience. And how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them that which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience. And for my name's sake, you have labored and have not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. The fourth lesson that we can learn from the believers at Ephesus is simply this. Don't lose your love. Don't lose your love. Go back to Ephesians chapter six, verse number 24. You can turn there or just look at the screen. Ephesians six twenty-four. 24, here is how Paul closed the letter. Grace be with all them that, what? Love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. The word sincerity, it means genuineness or without corruption or to be real. This is to be Or have a sincere and humble, real love of God. Now, here's what the believers at Ephesus had done they had left their first love. They were working in Revelation 30 years, 32 years later. It is written to them, I know your work. Hey, you are accomplishing things for God. I know your labor. Hey, you're getting in it and you are toiling. You are working in spite of difficulty. They were patient. You are enduring even in trials. You are separated. You don't put up with sin. You're seeking truth, trying to find false teachers and true teachers. You are enduring persecution. But I have somewhat against you. Well, what, what, what do you have against us, God? You've left your first love. Well, what does this mean? Basically, and we won't take time to dive into Revelation 2, but it means that they were doing, they were doing without loving. They were accomplishing without sincere love. What can we gather from that? We can gather this truth that love Love is the only motivation that God wants. The reason that we should follow Christ is because we love him. The reason we should pursue God is because we love him. The reason that we should serve God, whether that be at church or myself at home, uh, the reason I should maybe invite somebody to community Sunday, not just because, well, it's a good Sunday for them to be here. No, it's because I love God. But what had the believers in Ephesus done? They had left their first love. You see, what we do for the Lord is important, but so is why we do it. And one man said it this way it is only as we love Christ fervently that we can serve Him faithfully. Because love is the only lasting motivation. But you see, the church at Ephesus, what they had done, they had not forgot their calling. They knew who we are in Christ. They were encouraged. They were around other believers and godly believers. They were pursuing God as best as they could. But here's what God said to them. But you missed one thing. You're just, you missed that you should be doing it because you love me. So I want to encourage you, church at Ephesus, repent, turn back. Turn back. Oh, I'm not telling you church at Ephesus that all those things are bad. No, those things are good, but your motivation should be because you love me. Micah Bosworth, many of you know him. He preached a message a long time ago on Revelation and I heard him say this and I love the quote. The quote to the believers at Ephesus, I don't just want your hands of service and your heads of knowledge. I want your heart full of love. I don't just want you to serve me because I want you to serve me because you love me. You see, if we do the Christian life without love, the Bible says that it's empty, Paul wrote these words, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. It's pointless. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. You see, in the Christian life, love is the only sustainable motivation for the Christian life. So, the instruction to the believers at Ephesus, you're doing, but don't forget the loving. Don't forget the motivation. As we close out the book of Ephesians, I think we can learn some lessons as Paul wraps things up. Number one, don't forget your calling. Number two, don't neglect your encouragers. Number three, don't miss the blessings of being a child of God. I believe the most important is don't lose your love. Our series has been titled our theme for the year by grace on that side. (laughs) By grace. That we are saved by grace. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast. But we are also strengthened by grace that God wants to enrich us and strengthen us to serve him. And here's how Paul closes out the letter. He says that grace Ephesians 6, 24, grace be unto all those that love him in sincerity. Hey, you want God to really strengthen your life? Here's what God says. Just pursue me and love me with humility, with a genuine love. Just keep me on the forefront of your life loving me and I will strengthen you every step of the way. You and I, we truly can be strong in grace, strong in his strength as we just continue loving him. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.